But Ray, did you battle legalism as a young believer? No, not at all. I'll tell you why. When I first got a grip of the biblical use of the law and really understood it, I thought, I'm going to teach this and I'm going to be separated as a legalist for almost certain. The exact opposite happened, much to my delight. But the law used lawfully actually destroys legalism. And what I mean by that is if you take a, an unsaved person through the law and show them that lust is adultery, hatred is murder, that God is absolutely holy, bomb, a lying lips and abomination of the Lord, you show him that nothing in him commends him to God. Absolutely mm. nothing. All he gets is wrath. The only thing God owes him is justice, and that's terrifying. He's the one that flees to Christ and understands he is saved by grace and grace alone because the law has shown him that gap that he's trying to jump is 10 times the width of the Grand Canyon. So he's not the one that's liable to fall into the touch not, taste not, handle not category that my works commend me to God. Those who come to Christ without that knowledge that sin is exceedingly sinful, they're the ones that are liable to think that the clothes they wear, what they eat, what they touch, what music they like commends them to God. They're the ones that are liable to go into legalism. So the law actually produces liberty and that it separates us from legalism and makes us trust in grace alone. We had a funny moment in our home last night. My beautiful daughter Kylie came into our room and asked Rachel, my wife, Ray's daughter, a question about mascara. And before anyone says anything, what strikes you as strange about that, Ray? Well, obviously that you wear mascara, and I was thinking, why would you bring it up? You're wearing your mascara today? See, the two gentlemen here no doubt noticed what was wrong with that, but you didn't because you say, as my wife does, and as my daughter was taught to do, the word mascara wrong. You Wait, say your mascara. Says, she says mascara? Yeah, she walks into the room and goes, mascara. And I had to correct her. And I thought, how crazy is that, right? She, I think that's legalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking about that. But Ray, why do you guys from New Zealand say things the wrong way? We taught you to speak English. Right. The English taught Americans to speak English. Okay, Ray, I'm going to shoot some words at you. I want you to, to say them oh, how you say them. Shoot? Uh, Isaiah. Isaiah? No. Did you see how hard <laughs> say he it, had Ray. to work? Okay, Isaiah. One Isaiah, than the other. <laughs> Isaiah. Nissan. <laughs> oh, Nissan? <laughs> Nissan. Subaru. Subaru? This is, is taking, really? this is taking is me back. This is taking me back. Yeah. Adidas. Adidas. This is taking me back. <laughs> Wait, what? He has mockers on the last day. Philemon, Ray. Philemon. <laughs> Aluminum. Aluminium. <laughs> is that really the way you pronounce things? Yeah, I don't Ray. in America because I get mocked. Ray, I change Al it. Albino. Albino. <laughs> no, stop it. Are you making That's this up my as you favorite. go? No, this is, this is how oh, we speak. I love it. I've conformed as they came across so Americans wouldn't be offended oh. and changed the wording. Adidas. Yeah. It's crazy. When my kids were younger, I can't remember if I mentioned this, but the girls, when they'd ask me for water, they'd say water. When they'd ask Rachel, they'd say water. They would just they would switch unconsciously it? Really? switch it. How funny. It was crazy. They had to dumb it down for you. I yeah. died at <laughs> first in restaurants in Texas. I'd water. say, can I have some water, please? Oh, yeah. Say, when, whenever Rachel asks for water at a restaurant, she changes her accent. Water. Yeah, gotcha. it's, <laughs> yeah. That's so yeah the R is. Uh, it's Americans' love of uh, cars. Yeah. Are what you guys, was the story about Rachel ordering something or asking for something at Home Depot? Oh, yes. That's one of my favorites. Walmart, I think. Yeah, she called Walmart, and we wanted to get some chair pads for the house. So she wanted to see if they had them. So 
He goes, yeah, I want to, you know, I'd like to ask about chair pads. They said, okay. So they transfer her over to another department and they answer, hello, gardening. She's like, yeah, I'm calling about chair pads. But when she said that, she says, chia pets. So they thought she wanted chia pets. <laughs> chia pets. <laughs> so good. Yeah. But Ray, you guys do a lot of things. It's not just words. It's like emphasis too. Emphasis. Um, yeah. Like well, you don't say weekend, you say weekend. Well, we don't, don't put our eyes up and they're like, and our eyebrows like you just did. Yeah, I've noticed that the inflection's in a different place. Yeah, well, you don't the em- say... The emphasis is in a different place. Yeah, you don't say Christine, you say Christine. No, I say Christine. Christine. You don't say caravan, you say caravan. Mm-hmm. Why? We don't bounce up in our chair when we say it. Either. <laughs> Why am I bouncing as I do that? <laughs> yeah. uh, Texans are the only Americans I've seen do that, and it's with my name. They don't say easy, they say easy. That's because they're from, easy. Trying to get away from I keep it. going up. I don't trying to run. Why do I have to do that? That reminds me. Have you ever tried archery blindfolded? Archery? Here comes, archery here blindfolded. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> <laughs> that has oh, to be thrown funny. into the eternal heap the, of bad words. Yeah, but that, that's good. Yeah. Oh, 911, too. I noticed Rachel would say 911. 911. It's not 911. Hurry, hurry, call 911 instead of 911. What's the number for 911? <laughs> call 411 and ask for it. Yeah, guys, funny things. Hilarious. Yeah, I realize there's stuff I say. Did you guys ever say something all your life and then recognize you said it wrong? With songs. Yeah, like 80s songs, singing oh, songs. Oh, yeah, lyrics. <laughs> Tim Hawkins oh, comes along and says, yeah, this is, this is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've I've done that, but I all my life. Are you about to confess that you've been saying Augustine's name wrong? You mean Augustine? That's the one. I've said the word eighth, like eighth place, wrong all my life. I've said eighth. You're saying something else wrong when you say that too. Do you realize it? You're saying all my life, and you haven't had all your life yet. (laughs) Oh, it's coming, bit by bit. Hopefully, you said eighth wrong. Eighth, and I used to say all my life. I would say all your life. Clothes. You haven't had all your for clothes. I'd say clothes. Oh, put I your, that. Put your clothes on. You say Kelly that says that I add a T at the end of the word cousin. Cousin? Yeah. She says I say cousin. Cousin. Oh, yeah. Even. I've heard people say it with even. So thanks for joining us. What is going on? That's what we're doing. Some people say pillow for pillow and us for us. Oh, something I've heard done by people that shouldn't do it. The word tracts. Yeah, they say tracks. Tracks. Yes. Oh, I make it's that mistake tracked. all the time. They miss the It's tape. easy to make, but it's tracked. Don't forget that. You are a legalist, aren't you? I am. Couldn't care less. That's the last one. Then we'll jump into the top of the day. Couldn't care less. That's correct. Um, people say, <laughs> I a, could care less. That's wrong. That is wrong. Yeah. But a lot of people do that. Because if you say you could care less. You're saying you care. Yeah. Because, hey, I could care less. But if you say, I couldn't care less that means but we start well, the premise knowing that you just don't care yeah yeah we don't care less. <laughs> I, we don't care anything. i want to care less about this moment right yeah. now all right guys here is a comment from john stout john stout wow put in twice delivering mail and good news hey living waters i enjoy the show i listen to every episode while walking delivering the mail 
Also, whenever a customer sees me approaching, they often attempt to be witty and say something like, only checks or here's the bills. And that's my cue to hand them a million dollar bill. Always gets a laugh and a springboard to share the gospel. Oh. Needless to say, I run out of the million dollar bills quickly. That's oh, that's God bless John S. Isn't that cool? That's really awesome. good. A mailman who's I delivering like more than just mail. Thank you, John. God bless you. Keep it up. This program is brought to you by Jesus in Red, 365 meditations on the words of Jesus. And we also have it in Spanish, friends, Jesus en Rojo. Can you say that, Ray? No. <laughs> <laughs> Won't even try it. I'll try <laughs> <laughs> Always goes to the Indian accent. Uh, so check it out, friends, at livingwaters.com. And don't forget the Evidence Bible as well. All right, guys, legalism. All right, is that what we're talking about? Yes. <laughs> Let me make sure. Legalism. Why yeah, legalism why is so is destructive? Why is legalism so destructive? Oscar, do you know the difference between legal and illicit? Illegal and illicit? Illicit? Yeah, the difference between the two. Illegal. Is that a question? Yeah, it's a question. Just I don't Oscar. think so. What, you don't? Do you have something? Yeah. Illegal is against the law. No, illicit, no. No, illicit, <laughs> illicit is against <laughs> the law, and illegal is a sick bird. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Yes. So, guys, legalism and its destruction. Um, I can't get over that last one. Which one? The illegal. Illegal? Illegal? Yeah, you know, legalism is something that I really, really struggled with as a new believer. And I can't say only as a new believer. I, I think... And you still categorize yourself as a new believer. Yes, right? I'm a brand Isn't new believer. is that because you're a perfectionist? I think so. Yeah, you know, I think... Being raised in a performance-based acceptance environment as a kid, you kind of tend toward wanting to do everything right. Because when you do easy, wait a minute. Define legalism, right? First of all, yeah. So, well, Sam Storms, I think, gives a real clear definition on the two kind of sort of angles of legalism. There are two main ones. We're concerned with one in particular, but he said legalism itself comes in two forms. On the one hand are those legalists who insist on obedience to the law, especially their law, as a condition for acceptance with God. To be saved, one must submit to rules and regulations, sometimes biblical ones, sometimes not. But at the heart of this variety of legalism is the idea that works are a condition for justification. So that's the first kind. The other kind of legalists may well affirm salvation by grace through faith, but demands that others submit to his image of what constitutes true spirituality. Invariably, he or she sets extra-biblical guidelines, identifies morally prescribed activities, and then severely judges those who fail to measure up. That's yeah. a good definition. That's really good. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think if I could answer yeah. it, thinking of a particular scripture is Mark 7, verses 1 through 8. Not this, Mark. Mark 7, verses 1 through 8. In that story, Jesus' disciples have a meal and then they go meet Jesus about 90 miles away. A meal away. They A different kind of a meal. Okay. The Pharisees follow them and they come up to Jesus. They go 90 miles to lodge a complaint against Jesus and his disciples. And that complaint was, your disciples, your followers were eating food in an unclean way. They didn't wash their hands first. Now, at first glimpse, it might be like, oh, well, they were primarily worried about hygiene. But in actuality, they were worried about a spiritual kind of cleansing that they practice. Now, that is something that the Pharisees and the rabbis added to the law of God. So let me explain. In the Old Testament, there is a law requiring the priests of Israel to wash their hands before entering into the holy place. That's as it was written. 
it was in the law of God. You'll often hear Jesus say something like, you've heard it say. Whenever he says, you've heard it say, what he's talking about is the tradition of the Pharisees, the way in which they interpret the law of God. And so as it was written is that the high priest were to wash his hands before going into the Holy of Holies. Over the course of many, many years, the Pharisees began to make the priesthood cleansing available to the common people. They invited them to also wash their hands. Now, so far, all is well and good. They simply wanted them to do the same spiritual practices. But then after some time, it became, if you don't wash your hands, you're not cleansed. And then at some time, it became, if you don't wash your hands, you're in sin. And so essentially what the Pharisees did is they added to the law of God, what we would call the law of man. And R.C. Sproul says it like this. There are many ways in which legalism raises its ugly head in the life of the people of God. But to bind people's consciousness where God has left them free, to add human regulation in the law of God is the worst and most devastating form of legalism. In other words, R.C. Sproul, I think what he's trying to show us is that while at the same time we want to constantly distance ourselves from the Pharisees because we recognize that they were the enemies of God, often we also recognize that we tend to behave in a like manner. We tend to want to add our own laws and regulations. And so uh, R.C. Sproul goes on and he says, we, we tend to make our own kind of Christian piety. He says, Christian piety becomes whether you or do or don't wear lipstick, whether you do or don't dance or go to movies or drink alcohol. And he says, as if these things had anything to do with the kingdom of God. And he goes, why is it that we demand these kind of laws upon people? And he points out, I think this is genius. He says, because it's easier to get somebody to stop wearing lipstick than to refrain themselves from pride. Hmm. It's easier to get somebody to stop going to the movies than to start loving their enemies. You see these lower forms of laws that we imply upon ourselves, it's easier to dictate and control rather than to aim at the heart of man. Wow, that's so Mm -hmm. good. Yeah, and it's inevitable that legalism ends up leading to hypocrisy. You're citing these historical sort of facts, but it was known that the the legalists of that time, a lot of the Pharisees would have loopholes in order to accommodate themselves. Like they couldn't travel a certain amount of distance away from their home, but some would hide food like in a bush at that distance from their home, and then they could travel that much further. So it'd become their home away from home. They would say, you can't carry your clothes out of your home. Clothes? <laughs> See, uh, I you did, did it. Your clothes uh, out of your home if your house is burning down on the Sabbath. But if you put them all on, now you're technically wearing them, so you can do that, you know? So they had all kinds of loopholes like that. But you know, When we were in Israel, we see that the elevator stops on every floor so that you don't exert your arm with your finger and push the button. <laughs> really? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ray, what are your thoughts on? Oh, there's, there's, Jesus summed it up. They strain at the gnat and swallow the camel. The imagery is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Talk about stomach ache. My first confrontation with legalism was a brand new Christian, a guy came into my leather shop, and he, I knew he was part of a, quote, sect. That's a town not far, but I got a really good one. He used to come and listen to me open air preach, come down to my shop, and we had great fellowship in the Lord. And then one day he said, my pastor says I can't have fellowship with you anymore because your hair is too long. No. Yeah. 
and that was all. That was it. You just left. You're back wow. here. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was. I didn't have a mollet or anything like that. But it was just like <laughs> you know, from my surfing days, I had it trimmed back. But uh, it come wasn't out a, looking it, like it, seaweed. It, his contention was that it was touching my collar. That's really? serious. I'm serious. What did you respond no. with? Shut what did up. You say? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, I didn't. I just <laughs> said, I'm, I'm really sad because I love your fellowship. And he mm. says, I'm sorry about it. And he just left. Never saw him again. Ray said, I'm wow. sorry. I can't do anything about this ear hair. It's just the way it grows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's even a biblical example of that whole loophole thing that I mentioned, you know, in Mark 7, where Jesus was rebuking them, he said that Moses, he said, all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is korban, that is a gift to God, they no longer, then no longer... Korban. Yeah, korban. Korban? <laughs> korban. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. So, you know, a lot of times, I think those who are legalistic are trying to maybe give an outward appearance of piety or holiness or righteousness, but the corruption that is still within, because their heart isn't right, ends up coming to the surface in other ways. So now they do a loophole. Oh, okay, well, man, I want to look you know, holy. But if I say this, oh, this is now willed to the temple. Now I no longer have to honor my father and mother. I could use this now for myself. So yeah, stuff like that. I think that we have always attempted to uh, be sneaky in that, in that degree. But if I were to go back, Easy, do you think that legalism is perhaps birthed from wanting to do that which is right initially, that there's some good motive yeah. you know, perhaps uh, attached to it. You know, for example, you have somebody comes along and says, I don't want to go to Disneyland because I have other things I got to do. I have spiritual things I got to do. And then it, perhaps it just grows and grows and grows. And then it says, you know, how can you go to Disneyland? Yeah. You know, in light of all the things that they do or that they stand for, they're against Christ and you're not redeeming the time if you go to Disneyland. Right. So is there, is there a balance in the midst of that? What, what do you think is the reasoning for the birthing of uh, legalism in our lives. I do think that more often than not, it is the byproduct of sincere zeal for God. And I would say a zeal that is void of knowledge, right? A newer believer oftentimes will tend in that direction. And then I think what will often happen is it'll just become the culture. Like Ray mentioned, that young man who said, and my pastor said this, it then becomes the culture of the church. Oftentimes I, I've seen it as a byproduct of personality too, and strong personality, influential personality, a pastor, elders, leaders, someone respectable, and this is what they do. And then maybe they, they give this sort of attitude that, well, if you don't do it, then maybe you're not really walking with the Lord. And so it just begins to, to infiltrate. But man, then it just starts to morph and it becomes something ugly because then it turns into judgmentalism, condescension, pride. Wouldn't you say, Ray? I mean, that's often at the root of it. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at 
livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Yeah, I've correct me if you think I'm wrong, but legalists don't laugh. Huh. They join us. <laughs> you know what? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a legalist, brother. But seriously, the, Oscar's not the, laughing. The, yeah. oh, we man. have a we have a liberty in Christ, and and one of the fruits of the spirit is joy, and you express your joy with with yeah. humor. And I found legalists are pretty dry. They're Pharisaic and don't laugh much. They don't have that liberty. I remember a friend of mine, friend, his brother in Christ, he was older than I am now. Uh, Mr. Wade, I, I loved him. He had a great sense of humor. I remember once I was in, in church and I was a brand new Christian, really long here, up the front, hitting a tambourine and really enjoying the music. <laughs> he came from way down the back of the church in front of everybody and whispered something in my ear and then walked back. This is during the singing and everyone saw him do it and they must have thought, boy, Ray must have received a great word from Mr. Wade. He had something from God. But he actually said, why don't you rattle your head or make the same noise as the tambourine? <laughs> and he had such a great sense of humor. An older guy, but he had this joy that just bobbled around and he was, there was no legalism in him whatsoever. Was he the guy that gave you the money? <laughs> what money? Put the money in your hand. What money in my hand? Did some guy come up to you, shake your hand, and he left a ten dollar bill? Or no, something? that was Mister um, Reverend Denson, the ninety one oh, year old Presbyterian minister who didn't right. have a sense of humor. Is he the one that you thought died and did it? <laughs> yes, he's the one I thought died and didn't. But <laughs> me, look, here's a question. This is off subject. Do you think humanity? Sorry, do you think? Yeah, humanity is unique in that God has given us a sense of humor. I mean. Is there anything, any animal in creation that has sense of humor? Often I try and make my dog laugh, but he wags his tail, but he won't smile. No matter how dumb I do things, he just stares at me. Do you think we're unique in creation, having a sense of humor? Uh, I or think do, so. Do you think sloths laugh at each other? Look how slow that guy's moving. <laughs> they, yeah, I, uh, yeah. You know, I do wonder that. Do animals ever feel the pleasure of laughter? Any animal? I, I don't. I don't know. So you've got a dog, haven't you? The tail yeah. wags. It shows excitement, joy, fun. but laughter. You know, do they? Yeah. They, they, they fun. You get down with a dog, his tail wags with joy. He has joy. Yeah. My dog has faith. He trusts me to ride my bike at 20 miles an hour. You know, really. And he's <laughs> he sitting on the truck just lapping it up. And I'm thinking, man, he's trusting me with his life. He doesn't think twice about it. But I, I've noticed he's devoid of a sense of humor. Let no. me go back to the topic. Hello. No. Uh, let me go back to what you asked, Mark, because I think it's an important question. You asked, like, does it come from a sincere place, a love for God's zeal? I would answer that question, no. The reason why I would say no is because going back to what I was quoting earlier, Mark 7, here's what Jesus says about the Pharisees. He says, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the tradition of men. And so the important part there is with their hearts, they are far from me. He's getting to our heart motivations, the things that propel us forward. I think legalism does not come from a good place. It comes from the heart. And I think that goes back to Genesis in which we see Adam and Eve desired to be their own gods. And each one of us is, an, is a legalist, is a self-imaging God-man or we think is a God man. And what we end up doing with that is we say, I want to justify myself. 
I want to control my own destiny. I want to prove myself as righteous and good. Uh, And sometimes that looks like I want to earn my salvation. I want to show that I am worthy of salvation. But in any of those instances, that is a me-centered view of our faith and our relationship with God, where instead, when we look to Christ in his righteousness, it puts to death any idea that we can gain or earn or prove or pay off the righteousness that has been given to us through Jesus. Yeah. And so I think legalism comes from a very man-centered way of viewing self. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, and maybe what Mark was getting at with the question is, is motive. You know, I think there is that element of that zeal, like I said, without knowledge, like a younger believer. I mean, you know, he, he gives a, to the two different types of kind of legalistic approaches. There's the one that is obviously heretical uh, in that it's seeking to obtain salvation through works. There's the other that someone believes, yeah, Christ is my only foundation for salvation, but I wanna please the Lord. So it must be like this, it must be like that. And I think it can morph into something worse. And I agree at the very heart of it, anything erroneous has its root in, in sin. But I think there are some who really wanna do what's right and please the Lord, but with that lack of knowledge of, of really God's word calling us to not lord it over others or be legalistic or judgmental, I can morph into you know more of that. But Ray, did you battle legalism as a young believer? No, not at all. I'll tell you why. When I first got a grip of the biblical use of the law and really understood it, I thought, I'm going to teach this and I'm going to be separated as a legalist for almost certain. And the exact opposite happened, much to my delight. But the law used lawfully actually destroys legalism. And what I mean by that is if you take a, an unsaved person through the law and show them that lust is adultery, hatred is murder, that God is absolutely holy, a lying lips and abomination of the Lord, you show him that nothing in him commends him to God. Absolutely nothing. All he gets mm. is wrath. The only thing God owes him is justice, and that's terrifying. He's the one that flees to Christ and understands he is saved by grace and grace alone because the law has shown him that gap that he's trying to jump is 10 times the width of the Grand Canyon. So he's not the one that's liable to fall into the touch not, taste not, handle not category that my works commend me to God. Those who come to Christ without that knowledge that sin is exceedingly sinful, they're the ones that are liable to think that the clothes they wear, what they eat, what they touch, what music they like commends them to God. Mm. They're the ones that are liable to go into legalism. So the law actually produces liberty and that it separates us from legalism and makes us trust in grace alone. Wow, that's so good. Yeah, it's the understanding of that total imputed righteousness of Christ, that he is my righteousness, he is my everything. And, you know, I, I think, Mark, you alluded to something that I've, I've talked about before and that I've taught on in a message of mine on integrity. And I, I think that the problem that the legalist ultimately has is they're presuming that their experience that they've had in, in a given area of life, whatever it might be, must be the same experience that every other believer has had. And so basically they take that personal experience and they assume in an extra biblical or or really something that scripture doesn't touch on issue that this must be the same for everyone else. Yeah, like how they talk and how they pronounce words and things like that. Oh, no, that is wrong, Ray. But yeah, for example, someone may have a hard time going to a certain place because when they go there, 
it reminds them of, of their past or sinful things that they used to do. Right. And so then someone else goes to that place and they're like, hey, what are you doing? Why would you go there? And that person has zero connection with their experience in that regard. And so now they take that and they put it on them. That's a good point. Easy, I remember being in a room with you and some other pastors and somebody had said that they wanted to go to Disneyland. And another individual inside that room said, going to Disneyland? How are you going to redeem time by going to Disneyland? And you said, wait, hold on a minute. Uh, didn't you say that uh, you're watching a Laker game? <laughs> How are you redeeming the time? And I remember it just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the person just didn't get it. The light just didn't click yeah. uh, for them. But I remember thinking... Boy, Easy is so smart the way he's able, and I've, I've never said that since, but uh, <laughs> no one how, time. How you're able to uh, pinpoint that. You know, legalism uh, forgets about grace and mercy and it replaces it with performance. Yeah. Right? It negates the gospel, is what it attempts to do, right? Because legalism says, do this or don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. Whereas the gospel says, it is done. You don't need to do anything. You can enjoy the ride. You can enjoy the journey, even though it may be difficult. Right? The Apostle Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but that doesn't mean all things are permissible for me to do. They're, they're not going to be advantageous necessarily to point me, push me, and to promote me towards heaven in that way. But uh, we do need to be careful with yeah, that. Yeah. The uh, theologian David Zoll says it like this, the law tells us what we ought to do. The gospel tells us what God has done. The law shows us that we need to be forgiven. The gospel announces that we have been forgiven. The law paves the way for the gospel by revealing our plight and the gospel proclaims the good news to those struck down by the law. Hmm. Oh, wow. I remember somebody saying legalism removes Christ from his throne and places self-effort on it instead. Oh, yeah, that's good. Thank yeah. you, I, I said that. <laughs> Just now, just <laughs> somebody else. Cover it. Yeah, you know, Sam Storms, again, he's, he's so good on this. He said, I'm baffled continually at how easily Christian people treat as moral law those things that God has neither forbidden nor required. Some feel an irresistible urge to speak loudly whenever the Bible is silent. They find the ethical stipulations of Scripture inadequate for living the Christian life and feel compelled to supplement the Word of God with countless little do's and don'ts that they are persuaded are essential to winning God's favor and blessing. Mm. And that really is what it comes down to. I mean, like to get practical on all of this, it really does come down to these things that some believers fully in their conscience have liberty to do and others don't, and they are not forbidden or required by scripture. You just reminded me of the guy I witnessed who, oh boy, he took me back. In Huntington Beach, he had about 200 piercings through his face. Do you remember that guy? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. He, yeah, he had them through yeah. his noses, through his eyebrows, and through his lips and cheeks and that. And <laughs> I, so I was ready to just jump on him with the law and, you know, do you think you're a good person? No, no, I'm trusting in Jesus to forgive my sins. <laughs> I was just dumbfounded. And God bless the guy. It was just quite amazing. Yeah, I want that heart. Like, I yearn for that. You need it. I, I do very <laughs> badly. I really want to have that heart that really um, just somehow has a block of coming to a conclusion about someone by the way that they, they look or the way that they're dressed or, or whatever. We you know? tend to do that. We're, we're, we're prejudiced and we can't help it because God looks on the heart. We look on the outward appearance. We're stuck with it. Yeah. I, I have that every day when I go out and get prospective people to come on camera. I think to myself, this guy's going to be boring. He just looks at it. it happened yesterday. <laughs> and he was great, you know, really yeah. great. You know, that happened with uh, the filming of 
our, our new pro-life film that's coming out. I was trying to get interviews with uh, people, and then an individual came up to me, and he goes, what are you guys doing? And I just kind of blew him off. I said, oh, we're just hanging out. <laughs> right, because I didn't want to get the interview. Uh-huh. I didn't want to do it. And he ended up being so colorful. He made it into the film, and he ended up changing his mind on abortion. Wow. But I tried to get rid of him continually, and he ended up being probably the best interview of the day. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you know, James kind of talked about this in a sense, you know, where he said, if a rich man comes in or a poor man comes in, you pay attention to one, not the other. You t- say the other one, and you go sit there or sit at my footstool. The other one comes sit in this prominent place. And he just talked about how loathsome that is to the Lord. Well, I would love to get Elon Musk and a homeless guy to walk into your church <laughs> together <laughs> and see who gets the most attention. Yeah. That oh. would be real. That, and film it. That would be a real test. But you know, I'll tell you, one of the things that I love seeing is when police officers pull over a celebrity and treat them like any other person. Yes. I just, I love it from that standpoint of like, hey, look, this is, and you'll see some people, we've talked about it before, they'll throw their weight around, you know, do you know who I am? Or it's something, you know. (laughs) This happened the last time I got pulled over. The cop was done with me and I said, hey, thank you for just treating me like everybody else, for not recognizing me as a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, ben, yeah I'm, I'm the guy on the podcast. Yeah. Rudy I'm sure you recognize me, but you're acting like you don't. I just wanted to say thank you. It really is a trait of the Lord because he's no respecter of persons. Yeah. Like Elvis who? Right. But I love it. You know, I, I mentioned it with police officers, you know, but I love it on the flip side when we treat people that may not be prominent as though they are prominent and that they are made in the image of God. Right. You know, these are, these are uh, you know, people who are made in God's image and need the gospel or they're our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and they need us to serve them and be the last and the least and the servant of all. Can I just share with you guys something that happened to me this morning? Well, you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's all I just wanted to ask. I stopped to get coffee on my way into the office this morning and I was planning on being here a couple hours early to just finish up my prep and knock some emails out before we recorded. And I get to the coffee shop and I order my coffee and it's taking them forever to get it. And oh, now man. it's like, oh, it's, it's the, <laughs> and now it's like biting into my time that I was planning to be here in the office to get work done. And I'm telling you, it's like five minutes Whoa. since I ordered my coffee, which That's is a terrible. long time Absolutely terrible. to get coffee. And so I'm starting to get frustrated and I'm watching the, you know, the young barista as she's preparing stuff and she's fumbling around with different drinks and she's looking at, you know, recipes over and over again. And she's asking questions and like, I am irritated that it, she's getting in the way of my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I noticed that she's like barely holding it together. I mean, she looks anxiousness, her hands are shaking. And I remembered, as you guys know, my little sister took her own life a couple of years ago. And in the midst of her fighting against depression and anxiety, she wanted to get a job so that she could be around people. Because one of the things that you do is you isolate in those situations. And so this was like an attempt to fight against that. And there were days where she could barely get out of bed to go to work, but she would fight and she would do it. And there were times where she would call me after work crying because somebody just gave her a hard time, you know, that just ruined her day. And so in that moment, as I remember Jay and I was looking at this girl and and it just hit me, it it was a reminder, kind of what you were just saying, there's 7 billion, almost 8 billion people in the world. Like it is not about me. I am not at the center of this universe. And instead of thinking to myself like, man, what I'm disrupted for five minutes. Instead, why don't I look at it and go, man, this is the Lord putting me here to offer a moment of grace towards this young lady. So what did you do? Uh, I yelled at her and I left. (laughs) 
You <laughs> no. threw your coffee on her. I, I no. did know. I, uh, Tell us. I leaned over and I, I cracked a joke, you know, and she gave me a smile and I prayed for her and I left. But I left also thinking to myself, like, how often am I so self-absorbed mm-hmm. that I don't realize these opportunities to show grace towards other people that are around wow. me in that moment? So you, you just know, reminded me of that. Yeah, that's powerful. In fact, this morning, I just happened to come across a video that was in my feed and it was a public figure and he was just talking about he started to cry and the interviewer said what's what's wrong why are you why are you crying he just said you know he said it's amazing how a word of encouragement mm. can actually literally save someone's life and that it's something that's so easy to do if we just determine to do it and it just hit me so hard i thought wow it's so true you know we're so prone to, to want to um, demand our own ways and rights. And, and we get frustrated when things don't happen in accordance with our own timing. And I remember this video by Chick-fil-A years ago that was super powerful. And it just showed different people, you know, at the restaurant, sitting down, eating people at the counter, talking, and it was just music and then words would come up. And then it would just say like, she just lost her husband to cancer. Mm. You know, he just found out he has dementia. You know, all these things. And every time I see it, I just tear up and just says, look, like basically everyone has a story. Everyone has something going on, you don't know. And the whole point was to their people like, hey, treat, Treat the, our guests with kindness. You don't know what's going on. You know, I know that's kind of kind of diverging from what no, we're talking it's not. about. No, that's really great. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that's good. Now, now, listen, Mark, were you going to say something? I thought you were itching to say something over there. No. Okay. Well, here's what's important, though. I think we do need to differentiate, though, between you know legalism and what isn't legalism. So th- this is this is really good. This is by. Bill Bushaus, he says, legalism is distorting the gospel by adding conditions to free grace, substituting man-made regulations for the word of God, majoring on the minors and neglecting the more important issues, over-concern with the externals while disregarding matters of the heart, regarding with contempt or judging a brother based on matters of personal conviction. And so, you know, those are all kinds of things that really legalism ends up being, and it can be destructive. But it's also good to understand that it is not, legalism is not a zeal for the commandments of Christ. It's not a ministry that teaches others to follow Christ in obedience. It's not strong personal convictions, as long as they're not required for others, right? Because that's the thing that's often forgotten. You can decide, hey, I don't want to have long hair. I don't want to have tattoos. I don't want to drink. I don't want to... But the problem is when you cross over into making it a requirement for others, or looking down on them if they don't do it, or judging them or gossiping about them. Say things like true Christians also X, Y, and Z. Right, but can you be legalistic just towards yourself though? No. Toward yourself? Yeah, I mean, you set up rules and laws that you're not requiring other people, but you are well, held underneath that weight it, and it, you're not freed up by grace. That's a good question, Mark. That's a good question. Actually. I think, I guess it depends on what, what you mean by it. I, th- I think what you're meaning, and, and I would agree with you, is by your own convictions, you set up standards and things of that nature so that you don't fall into sin because you know the temptations of your own heart. Right. Right. So like I stopped going to a particular gym because at this particular gym, women were wearing just like the most insane things and it just it got uncomfortable, right? So I'm not being a legalist by setting up a rule for me saying, I'm not going to that gym anymore, I'm switching. I'm not being a legalist, I'm just, I'm just making sim- a decision for my own spiritual yeah, well-being, being right? Being a legalist would be then turning to my friend going, if you still go to that gym, man, I'm, I'm really questioning your salvation. 
I'm not sure you get it. That would become right. being legalist. I, I think, Mark, but I think what you're getting at is, and I think this is what would be legalism toward oneself, perhaps, is when we we begin to make that the foundation through which God accepts us. Like the Lord's gonna really love me now, or I'm gonna be more accepted by the Lord now. So I'm gonna right. do this for right. that purpose. Exactly. Yeah, because you know, the, in fact, Oscar, it's funny because the next description of what legalism is not, he says, man-made restrictions for personal protection from sinful habits, as long as we do not begin to view them as binding on others again. So, so yeah, I mean, that's a great, those are all great, but, and, and you know what? That should be the reflection of the body of Christ. We are all different. It's 100%. good to be different. Especially you. Oh, you're me, very different. Diferente. But in a good way. I, I remember years ago speaking at an event. I may have shared this, I don't remember, but there were people there from what's known as the International Church of Christ, the Boston movement. They, they're a cultic group and they've been known to use mind control and different things, and they're very, very legalistic. But it's crazy how I immediately recognized where the guy was from by the way that he acted toward me. I, I had never seen the guy in my life. He comes up to me, he goes, whoa, nice suit. And he starts like yanking on my suit, you know, suit jacket. He's like, how you doing? It was just like, and I've seen that again and again and again. And I go, you know, so he goes, yeah, so he goes, hey, what, what church do you go to? Or something like that. Or he goes, yeah, you know, we have this Bible study. You want to come, a Bible talk? And I go, yeah, but are you a disciple? He goes, huh? Because <laughs> that's their, that's, that's what they language. do. So I turned mm -hmm. it on them. Uh, he goes, yeah, are you? I go, yeah. He goes, which church do you go to? And I told him the church. He goes, huh? He was totally thrown off. He was expecting me to say, I said, I go to one of the international churches of Christ. He's like, oh, whoa, me too. And he goes, wait, where? And so I tell him the name of the church. He's like, oh, huh? He was totally confused. But my whole point is, it's so good for us as Christians to have that diversity because we're all different totally. with different personalities, backgrounds, histories, struggles, battles, things that will stumble me that won't stumble you, you know? And, and then the last one, he says, legalism is not a zeal for good works. We're called to be zealous for good works. We're called to be passionate for the Lord. You know, all of those things are good. Let me switch it real quick, because we've been talking about legalism as it pertains to what David Zoll again would say is the capital L law, which is God's law. But using Luther's writing, uh, Zoll also focuses on the reality that we have these lowercase laws. And so he says that Luther pointed out that each of us has this constant guest in our minds that is calling us to self-justify ourselves. And he would say that we even create lower laws, lowercase l laws for ourselves that we're constantly trying to judge ourselves based off of. And so he would say, for example, you know, a woman walking down the street in New York who looks up and sees these images of other women being displayed, models, she in her mind is creating a law saying, I should look like that. If I don't look like that, I'm not beautiful. Or somebody who maybe has a, a social media presence, they are trying to self-justify themselves. They have a tendency to self-justify themselves every time they get along and go, here's how many people I reached today. Here's how many more followers that I have. And so the point that Zal wants to make is that in each of us is this constant guest in our minds that are trying to self-justify our worth and our value and our propensity to do good. And a part of grace is recognizing that our quality uh, is not based on the output of our performance. For the young lady, her beauty is not based on her the shape of her body. And for somebody online, your value as a communicator is not based on how many people follow you or how many people your last thing reached. 
ultimately your value and worth comes solely from God creating you in his image. Your value and worth comes from not what you can do, but what has been done for you. Hmm. The love of God ultimately is where all of your value and worth comes from. And so when we recognize that, we are free from the propensity to prove ourselves in every way of life because we're constantly being tempted to prove our worth. But our worth has been proven already on the cross. Amen. Mm. Yeah. Well put, Oscar. Yeah. And I love, again, the saying that says we're, we're not human doings, we're human beings. And that is, I think, the remedy to legalism. It's recognizing that we are fully accepted in Christ, that it had nothing to do with us. And now we are free to mm. live zealously for him. We're free to no longer be under the bondage of things that were at one time a struggle for us, and yet not put that on other people, but to walk in the convictions that the Lord has given us. And I think it'd be good to end on Romans 14, which really gives us, were you going to- No, I know. That's, that was not a fake one. I've got Romans were 14. Were you going to, why don't you talk about it? I was just thinking, we're not human beings, we're human goings now as Christians. We're going into the world to preach the gospel every creature. But Romans that 14, happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. I can listen to old Beatles records. That could be a sin for another person. Yeah. I remember as a brand new Christian, I was not at liberty to wear Levi jeans yeah. for about six months as a Christian. I didn't tell you one because that sounds like legalism but it so held me back to my past life as a non-Christian where if you did not wear Levi jeans, this is in New Zealand, it was a big deal, you were not a good surfer. That yeah. was just the in crowd. We wore, <laughs> we wore what was called a penny t-shirt with a pocket on the front. We wore uh, flip-flops. That was the image. And you had sun-bleached hair, genuine sun-bleached hair. That was the image. We're totally free. Yeah. No, we weren't. We're an army that all looked the same. <laughs> and when I became a Christian, I was free indeed. And I thought, well, I'm just not going to wear Levi jeans. And then one day I felt the liberty to put them back on. So yeah. we have tremendous liberty in Christ. And the Bible says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And now you're back to not wearing anything but khaki shorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> khaki? Much. It's khaki. Oh, sorry. Car key shorts. Yeah. yeah. You know, I love that in Romans 14, where Paul says, who are you to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. And then he goes on and he says, you know, things like one person esteems one day above another and other esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And he goes on from there. And, and I love that. I mean, you wouldn't expect that from someone like Paul, an apostle, right? I mean, if anyone could have tended toward legalism, it would have been Paul. I mean, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, you know, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, he said, blameless, right? But yet, as a man who was filled with God's spirit and under the special anointing of, of God's spirit as an apostle, he wanted to make it clear that this is not the way that we as believers should live. I mean, and even he counted in, all those things that he attained as but rubbish. Yeah, loss and rubbish compared to Christ, right? And in Colossians 2, he went, he said in 16 through 17, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of the things to come. I mean, he's even going so far to say, hey, be careful. Don't, don't let others judge you in this regard. So all of that is so important to keep in mind, friends, those of you that are listening, especially younger believers, like I had said at the beginning, uh, that was my tendency, my bent. And I think, you know, it's something that I have to always remain mindful of. And I found that in the times when I'm disciplining myself to keep my mouth shut, when I see other believers 
doing things that I don't personally do, don't have the liberty to do, or have decided not to do. Why'd you look at Mark when you said that? Well, because, you know, Mark... I really I don't, don't think you know. anyone could be a genuine Christian if they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, that, that is true. Yes. That is true. <laughs> but, you know, to keep my mouth shut, like, hey, I don't even need to talk about that. I don't need to say anything. I mean, there's times Mark and I will have discussions. We'll talk about, you know, a certain thing that, that some believers do. And I started getting fired up. And even recently I said, to him, man, I just need to keep my mouth shut. It's none of my business, you know? And the more I do that, the, the freer I feel and the more love I sense I end up exuding toward those brethren. And um, so that's the... Just of the matter, friends. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining us, friends. Remember to uh, email us at podcast. Email at podcast. Why do I always forget this? Email podcast at livingwaters.com. Podcast at livingwaters.com. And uh, give us any of your thoughts, criticisms, condemnations, <laughs> free money, whatever. No, no money. Um, and <laughs> Hold on, hold on. <laughs> What's going on here? I'm going yeah. prosperity all of a sudden. <laughs> and here at Oscar. Don't email us your money. Please. I'll send us your Rolex watches <laughs> and your... Yeah, all that good stuff. And uh, remember to give us a rating and a comment, friends. Please share the podcast. We're, we're just blown away by what God is doing with it and how it's uh, one of the top around the world. And uh, don't forget the Evidence Bible and Jesus in Red or Jesus in Rojo at livingwaters.com. Thanks for joining us, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters Podcast. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters podcast.